Hey, this is Pastor Nate Cook, and you're listening to Pontificating Pastors, a podcast where we lock two pastors in a room and just let them talk about anything and everything. My friend Michael Pig is a church planner in San Marcos, Texas, and I'm a traditional church pastor here in Midwest City, Oklahoma. Today on the podcast... Michael and Nate get back together for the first time since Nate has returned from sabbatical. And we're just creatively calling this one the one post-sabbatical. I know, right? So why don't you just sit back and relax and enjoy this episode of Pontificating Pastors. Hey, Michael, how's it going this year, maybe? <laughs> it's going well, Nate. How are you doing? I used to say this week, well, seeing as how I had three months off, I can't complain. And if I did, no one would want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're right. You're right. I think in our, in our preaching cohort that meets uh, you know, weekly, uh, we missed you. Uh, but when, but the week before you came back, which was this last week, um, there was some commentary about now we're just going to have to hear about how Nate had, you know, 16 weeks off or whatever. But uh, it wasn't quite that many. But yeah, um, I will tell you, I will tell you that as I began to get back with people and see people, I, I did realize that my perspective on life was very different. Like I felt really free and lighthearted. And, um, and I think part of that was because I shut down all social media while I was gone. So, I mean, we could have a long conversation about that today. We probably got plenty to talk we, about, but we probably could because yesterday I engaged in some social media and had some people address me with concerns about social media and um, it was more social media intake than I normally do. I really try to stay away from Facebook. From I certainly stay away from Twitter as much as I can. Um, I right. I got sucked into one of those. Uh, you know how YouTube will have a uh, when you go to your browser or whatever, there'll be a pop up that says, "Hey, this this happened on YouTube." Um, and you end up right. You end up watching this YouTube video, and then you're like, "Yeah, I'm not sure I know everything that happened there." So then you got to go trace down the <laughs> the the newscast or the the. It's a black hole. Yeah, man. man. And and you're like, I got to find out more about this. And all of a sudden, you're so deep into it, and you have all this anxiety about it. Um, yeah. And you and and what what kills me is that I get into that, and then I realize, you know what? I didn't even speak to my neighbor today. I. Uh, very good. Uh, you know, somehow. I got on a soapbox this morning. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, about that very thing. I Here's what I'm really thinking. And, and you can push back if you want. But I'm really thinking we weren't meant to have the answers for everything that happens in the world. So <laughs> so this is what happens on You'll social media. You'll get no pushback from me. We see that. everything that happens and we think we have to comment on it. And we have oh, to have the answer yeah, for it. And and we take on so much more than any generation before us. This is why I think young people and people that have grown up as, um, you know, just people who've had technology their entire life, the native generation, if you will. I think this is why we are seeing that they are having more anxiety and depression because we're taking on more weight than we can bear. It's as though we didn't really understand that first story about how the knowledge of good and evil like having to know good from evil and be the ones who know good from evil is like not good for us like that very beginning story about the the original sin if you will and and so we just take on everything and we've got the knowledge of good and evil and we're going to tell everybody exactly how they should feel about everything that happened in the world today and i just yesterday i turned it off and i was like I realize now when I wasn't having to worry about having the answer for everything that happened in this world today, um, how much more rested and hopeful and joy-filled yeah. I was. Because in three months, like 
Like, I didn't even know the thing happened at the Capitol till like three days later. And Kobe was like, I know you're not on social media right now, but did you even know this happened? And I was like, oh, I probably should know about that. That's one of those things I probably should know about. Yeah, there's but, some things we should but, probably tune yeah. into. At least have a working knowledge of it so that we're... But we weren't created to take on all that weight and to be then be all end all know all of everything and then i said this morning on my morning meditation exactly what you just said why don't we just start with loving the person right next to us yeah yeah like our neighbor yeah because yeah i'm not sure we can get so wrapped up in that and be on our computers that we walk right by people right with our thumbs and our phones who need love you know, sure, and, it's, and there there's some argumentation. Like you said, I could push back a little bit, and maybe if I were going to push back at all, and I think it wouldn't be real pushback because I think you'll agree with this. There's some aspects of justice that are served um, by immediate knowledge of a larger crowd. Uh, it's a lot harder to bully uh, if if you know people have access to a larger crowd, and I think we figured this out, but. Unfortunately, there's just regime swapping is what ends up ends up happening is we go from one yeah, bully to the yeah. next bully and then we're bullying the bullies and then we're bullying the bullies who bully the bullies and then, you know, it's just out of hand. And so it's it's difficult to know where that should stop and where those lines should go. You know, um, it's the plot of every movie. <laughs> the villain is always the person who's like, if I could be the bully, then then there'd be peace. Uh huh. Absolutely. Yeah, I could. I, but we always yeah. we go from one like you said, one regime to the next. Sure. Well, and we want to be the one who's the bully because we're good people we're and we good. know we're well, good people. I mean, isn't that, <laughs> isn't that the premise of Rome, right? Po- yeah. Pax Romana. Pax Romana, yeah. yeah. Um, we, we, could, we could install peace, <laughs> right? Like peace is not something you install. It's not a, uh, you know, when it, it's, it, what's funny is that, like you said, it's the plot of every movie. They end up calling the police force uh, or the military might the peacekeepers. Yeah. But, you know, right? if there's no choice, there's not really peace. Right? Yeah, like you, that word peacekeepers reminds me of the Hunger Games. That's who I always <laughs> see. The, yeah. You know, the people in the yeah. white suits that come in are like beating uh-huh. people to instill uh-huh. the peace. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and, and it's so crazy because as church people, we serve a Savior who laid down his rights to bring peace and uh, sure. it died and, and was strung up on that same cross that's supposed to bring peace. Right. And flips it all upside down, but we still haven't quite caught that message. Sure. and It's a hard message. Well, no, it is a, hard, it is a difficult message. And you, you have several camps on that, especially with even within a local police force, you're going to have different camps on that. You're going to have some who think that the, the way to deal with a situation is to be the biggest dog in the fight. Right. Like to just right to yeah. come out escalated, ready to knock everybody in the head. And then you're going to have other people who think diplomacy is the is the way to go. And um, and then there's just some who want to show up and stand in the gap until until, you know, time enough time passes so that our tempers can cool down. We get time and space will solve this problem. Right. And uh, and so. Can you imagine if you were one of the nonviolent people and you were being accused of or being lumped in with the violent people? Because those are very different ideologies. Those are very different philosophies on the way uh, policing works and those sort of things. So it's a very interesting yeah. time that we're living in. And if you go on social media, immediately you've got uh, you know all kinds of conversations about whose life matters. And um, and if you say that their life matters, then you're saying that their life actually matters more. And, you know, uh, just these very difficult conversations that are not easy to navigate. And just saying it to you right now gives me anxiety. <laughs> I don't even know how to. I feel you, man. I I stepped away from that that world. And, you know, I didn't step away from the world. Um, but I did get some time to just... Uh, kind of be be still a little bit and know um, that, that in the midst of all of the angst, um, God is working, God is moving. Um, I, I think for me, taking a break, especially if I were talking to anybody, one of the things that I think people don't realize about pastors, and I've realized it in this only two weeks I've been back, I mean, is I woke up this morning 
thinking about a section of my sermon. Like, like that weight, and then I may wake up thinking about a relationship in the church that's strained or a person that's in a lot of pain physically or um, that may have surgery coming up or, or whatever. Um, that, that a lot of these things and issues within my local community weigh on me in ways I don't even think about, um, much less the community around the world. And then, yeah. I mean, yeah. if you start taking in all yeah. of that, I mean, that's a lot of weight to bear. Um, and I, I think what sabbatical taught me is that I'm not meant to bear all of it. Like, sure. like, like I'm meant to do my part, but, but I'm not meant to bear it all by myself. Like, right. And I think many of us think that it's our job in, in some ways to fix everyone else uh, when really our job is to do the part we're called to and, and and if we try to do it all, we won't be able to because uh, we are not God. And I, I think that's the biggest thing that I've really realized is that when I stepped away from social media, it reminded me that I don't have to have the answer for everything. And in fact, if I would just listen more and try stop trying to have the answer for everything, uh, I would probably be a lot better off, be a lot more at peace, and uh, learn a lot more. Um, but, but our... Our culture's kind of M.O. is to, well, everyone needs to know my opinion about this. No, <laughs> and, they don't. And if you don't. No, they yeah, don't. And, and somehow if you <laughs> don't have an opinion on something, you're, you're less than, right? Yeah. Um, or, or if you, you don't feel like you're the person who needs to jump into every fight. Like, right. like just you, you can let people fight that out who are more knowledgeable and who have a, a better understanding of what's going on. So, right. yeah, I, I think, and I say that knowing that some people think that, you know, being silent is compliance, you know. Um, but I also understand that I, I, can, I cannot have an answer for something. I cannot know everything and, right. and still be a child of God. And so that's, that was the gift that sabbatical gave me is I was able to just be a child of God. I wasn't Pastor Nate for those three months. Uh, I mean, I still was, but I wasn't actively pursuing that role in people's lives. Uh, I, was, I was Nate, the, the husband, the dad. Um, I was Nate, the child of God, first and foremost. And uh, so, so it allowed me to receive from God without feeling like I was always having to give to everybody else. And now that I'm back in it, man, I'm like, man, I'm drinking from a fire hose. My my first two weeks, I've been going to bed like early. I you text me last night late, and I was like, dude, I'm in bed by like 9:30 these days. I I I'm, I'm trying to catch up, and my body's used to being like on on chill mode. Yeah. So no, I would like uh, to be in bed early. Um, I was up early. <laughs> But uh, you know we're at that stage where I have a graduating senior and a uh, and a freshman, and so uh, we're we're still attending a lot of sporting events and those sort of things. He's yeah. it's baseball season right now, and so uh, we had a doubleheader yesterday, and uh, we were out yeah. till ten o'clock. <laughs> or, or and I enjoyed better. that time in my life. Oh, it's great. It's I a mean, great time. It's a great time. But uh, I didn't mind driving in at midnight if we just won a basketball tournament or something. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, not so fun I'm if you lost the phase. if you lost the tournament, it wasn't so yeah. fun. But you know, the next day felt a whole different yeah. way. <laughs> what's What's crazy though is the difference between you know when Judah gets home from a win and when Judah gets home from a loss. Uh, when Judah gets yeah. home from a loss, there's, in the house, there's no conversation. We're not going to talk about right. it. And if we do co- talk about it, it's difficult and it's filled with yeah, you know, disciplinary kind of hey, you need to curb your attitude you know, get, get control of your emotions. You know, I understand that you're lamenting, but you also have to be kind in the process. You can't be hateful. Right. Uh, and then you, and then you get to uh, a win and you have to say things like, Hey man, so-and-so did a great job. It was a whole team effort, you know, and, and right. make sure that we're curbing, we're, we're installing humility. The pride yeah. that comes with it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's always such an interesting conversation. I think I've talked with other parents who have these same kind of conversations with their kids in these same moments. Uh, but you're up later on wins because they want to talk more. Uh, yeah. excited and and how is this and this was cool and this is a great moment coach said this to me and blah 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 you know um great stuff but i was thinking while you were telling about you know what you learned from sabbatical and i was in my head back in the background was the theme song since you've been gone 
Um, you know, the <laughs> you can breathe for the first yeah, time. I can breathe for the first time. That's not true, uh, but uh, but just the yeah, since you've been gone uh, was was interesting. And I I've been thinking about values and kind of evaluating uh, values. And one one thing that I've stumbled across is uh, it's been said by more than one person. But uh, if you have more than uh, some people would say, if you have more than two, some people would say, if you have more than one. Some people would extend it. You know, you can you can carry three or four, uh, but by and large, the it seems there's a consensus that if you have more than two values, you you really don't have any, right? Wow. Be- well, I gotta confess here before we get into this discussion. You sent me those values, and I did absolutely nothing with them while I was on sabbatical. <laughs> Good. So I'm glad it was so a test. That I was have, a test. Apparently, I have no value. <laughs> no values. Well, I have not evaluated my values uh-huh. thoroughly, but, but yeah, we can get into that conversation anyway because uh, I think there were there's definitely some things I value. So, so what have you come to on this understanding of your values? Well, I got a lot of help from Brene Brown, which I recommend Brene uh, and her writing, uh, looking through her research. Yeah, she, she's got some good stuff. She's, sure. She is just incredible in her... Uh, the drive that she has to take story um, and people's stories and people's uh, interviews with people and just amass so many of them that those things that we have uh, historically called anecdotal but not actually evidence you know not like giving it real value she's she just recorded so many interviews that it actually becomes quantifiable evidence uh, yeah. Because you can see trends, and you can see uh, that people who live this way and talk this way, they have these successes or these failures, and you know, on and on. But when she I just was does in this... school, I knew the name for that kind of research. There's a whole specific genre is... of research where you do the the interviews and you quantify based on a bunch of them. But I can't right. remember the name and, of it. Right and now. she has just done an incredible body of work like the, her and her team have just put together so much yeah. that it's just, it's just absolutely incredible. But uh, it, yeah, it's certainly not a new form of research, but she's just done it with such tenacity and endurance that it just is paying off in huge dividends in terms of uh, things that we, that we thought were true. She's saying they are, these, this is true. And things that, uh, that the status quo really needs to hear so that we can break it down, you know, so that we don't lead through fear. We don't lead through uh, intimidation, but instead we, we lead by, by making ourselves vulnerable and what that reveals and how that, that brings about uh, a great deal so, more collaboration. But my, What are your two values? My two values are creativity and wholeheartedness. Um, and, wow. And that, those those are, would not be mine at all. No, no, they wouldn't. And if you said them, I'd say bull. That's not true. Um, you're, you're uh, but when you why, when you why are those yours? Well, you know, because uh, I just feel like doing the same thing the same old way is just boring as all get out, and I have no <laughs> desire to sit there and listen to the same thing repeated. Oh, it just irks me to no end. When we could have done something creative, and instead we just did what we always did. And I'm, I'm guilty of that uh, because I spend my bandwidth um, doing things that are unnecessary and silly. And, uh, you know, uh, it's okay if a thing is repetitive. I don't mind redundancy. I just think that uh, we, can, we can be creative even in that redundancy, right? Like, it needs to be repeated. Yeah. Things need to be wrote is a, still a good way to teach and still a good way to learn. But it, we, right. need, we need a more... Uh, robust uh, conduit for <laughs> one, of, for one that. of the things I noticed when I came back speaking of redundancy and stuff is some of the things that used to occupy a lot of my attention um, at least for right now I'm like dude I don't care <laughs> like 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 my biggest thing when I came back was just making sure the scheduling of our facility was all that everybody kind of had their time and they didn't conflict with each other. And I'm like, in the greater scheme of giving people good news about Jesus, this really doesn't matter. Sure. One bit. Well, and, and one, but it matters (laughs) because it can create quite a bit of confusion and conflict if you don't deal with it. But, 
But like my whole perspective coming back was, I don't care. Yeah. We'll, we'll make it work. Well, it'll be think fun. about coming back, <laughs> coming back from sabbatical and spending some intimate time with God and intimate time with your family. Uh, it, then intimacy becomes the value that you're cherishing at the moment, right? And so you, so yeah, those I things. I think that, one of my values would have to be gratitude. There you go. And and how Meister or not Meister Eckhart? Yeah, it was Meister Eckhart uh-huh. who said, uh, "If you only had one prayer to pray." Thanks would be enough. Thanks would be enough. Yeah, it's, it's, it is great. I heard that while I was gone. I that, re-listened oh to... What a great line. There's this guy who's line. redone Meister Eckhart's sayings, but he he's done it as though he were interviewing Meister Eckhart right before his trial. Oh, really? Um, as a heretic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which, we love heretics around here. But yeah, anyway, um, but, but he's interviewing Meister Eckhart before his trial. It's like a... A whole dialogue thing, but he actually uses Meister Eckhart's words, and that's kind of how he ends the whole thing. Is if you if you have one prayer to pray, thanks would be enough. Thanks would be enough. Yeah, because I think yeah. I think gratitude encompasses the whole idea of grace and mercy, and um, the fact that um, really everything we have, like all these relationships, all these things we're talking about, even the fact that we get to argue with each other on Facebook. It's all a gift from God. The sure it is. The fact that I woke up this morning. It, um, yeah. Yeah. Ultimately, whenever we say, whenever I say creativity is my chief value, because even above wholeheartedness, creativity is my chief value. Uh, like I could, I could drop wholeheartedness and still feel like it's part of like this, w- this whole list of values that I've assembled. I took my chalkboard and I just wrote everything that I could think of that was part of a value system for me. You know, the articles of faith of the church of the Nazarene are up there. Um, you, know, you know, like I just everything that has been a value for me, I put it on the board. Um, I even, I even put this little saying that my dad used to say to us when he dropped us off at school, he'd say, um, he'd say, uh, be sanitary and don't embarrass the family. And, um, and I'm, I'm sure I have, not, I have embarrassed my family plenty of times. Uh, and so, so me and Mark know. would jump out of the car at, at that phrase, you know, sometimes Mark would say, what does that mean? Dad? Yeah. What, is, what does sanitary mean? And dad would say, don't drink out of the toilet. And, um, which would, I have not done that. would be unsanitary and it would probably embarrass the family. Um, uh, so the first one yeah. actually informed the second one. Uh, but those were values for me growing up. Don't embarrass the family. Like I felt the right. weight of carrying the pig name, you know, uh, you never mess with the family, Michael. Um, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Just a, in terms of value systems and where I come from, uh, you know, I grew up in West Texas and there's a lot of scrutiny for creative kids. Uh, you know, artsy fartsy was generally a term used to describe me. Um, yeah, he's a, yeah. Little, he's a little artsy fartsy, uh, you know, which, you know. I guess bothered. It's all kinds of derogatory. Yeah, it is all kinds of by derogatory. The way. And I had to I had to kind of, you know, come to grips with that. And I didn't realize how freeing it was to accept that as my chief value. It needs to be creative. Because this stale version of things is boring. Golly, churches yeah. as Leonard Sweet would call it a bastion of boredom. That churches become these bastions of boredom, um, which is in my mind just absolutely stupid. Like if you have, have you been good... listening to my sermons again, <laughs> bastion of boredom. Wow. Have you become? Why? Why are we so bored? Why isn't something new happening? Why isn't somebody giving testimony? Why aren't we sharing the good news of what's happening? And why have we boiled the good news down to something that happened two thousand years ago? Is it not still happening? Yeah. Right. And so I, creativity just began to flourish, and I, I just, you know, and as I realized this. The, one of the schools here in town called me and said, hey, uh, we'd like for you to do a mural. We've got 1,500 square feet of wall space. We'd like for you to paint a mural on it. It's like, yeah, heck yeah. But then some of my parishioners uh, started coming up with these very creative ideas that had to do with social justice. And I thought, oh, I like the painting, but the hard social justice thing, that's creative, but that's a difficult creative for me and yeah, so leaning into sure. other people and the but it, it requires collaboration because i don't know how to do all those kind of things but it feels right. it feels very much like being alive again uh when i lean into this value of creativity because i'm leaning into uh my my belief system that says that 
our creator God. We serve a creative God. We are created by a creative God, and we are created in God's image. And so we, too, need to be creative. And so everything then for me is it, I immediately attach myself to the, to the Trinity and to Trinitarian doctrine and right. the invitation that I have to be creative. And so everything flows out of who God is, you know, and then I'm, then I'm obeying the first, the two commandments that Jesus gave us, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And ultimately, if I'm going to be creative, then I'm going to love my neighbor. I'm going to find ways and creative ways to love my neighbor. Um, and yeah. and, and yeah. simultaneously, I read this, I read this uh, book called The Very Good Gospel, which if you haven't read The Very Good Gospel, I, I highly recommend it. I have read it. it. So I, I haven't finished it, but I'm reading it because you recommended it to me. Yeah, and well, she just basically— Noah was yeah. also reading it. She basically so says—Lisa Sharon Harper, she, basic, uh, she basically says that the antidote to, um, to, to racial prejudice uh, or, or racial bias is the doctrine of the image of God. Yeah. Like, if you believe that everybody was created in God's image, it's very hard to oppress anyone. Like you can't oppress people if you believe they were created in the image of God. You, you, they, they have dignity because they were created in the image of God, and you're owing to that dignity because you too were created in the image of that same God, and you've got nothing on me, and I've got and nothing on you. That's why. That's why. Once again, going back to that whole idea of gratitude, thanks. Yeah. Like I don't have a leg to stand on. I don't have anything to make me superior that's to right. anyone else. Like that whole thing. I, I think. The shame of this whole racial um, prejudice uh, society that we live in is that the church has been complicit in that it needs to start in the church. Because if anybody believes in the dignity of all human beings, yes, it should be us. Absolutely. And then, then if we just did better and stopped, like yelling at everybody on social <laughs> media, if we just lived better, just live better, if we just lived this thing better, mm-hmm. then people would see it as a light to the world. Um, people will be drawn to it. So I think that's where my, I'm going to throw my eggs in that basket. Yeah. Because if I can create a community here in Midwest city that looks different than the world around it, uh, this church community, if we can love each other in spite of our differences, then that becomes a light rather than saying, okay, I need the government to fix this for me because yeah, no, they no. never will. No. We've uh, how many different politicians oh, have we gosh, voted in since since the civil rights movement, and none of them have changed it. Like we have mm-hmm. to understand that it starts at grassroots, it starts local, it starts in yeah. our communities, it starts in our churches, and that's where I I think the Facebook world wears me out because everybody wants to start the other way around. Sure. They want to say, well, I'm gonna yell this on Facebook and that'll change the world. Well, <laughs> has it? I mean, really? No. Really no, has no. it? I'll give you one of my other values, and I, I think it's becoming more and more, and, and I'm having to learn this, and that is authenticity. Yeah, um, absolutely. I had a friend say, well, I'm no saint, but I'll tell you, I'll tell it like it is. And I, I said to him, I said, man, I think that's the beginning of sainthood. <laughs> like when you finally stop pulling punches with God <laughs> and everybody else. Yes. yes. Like that's where it starts. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like if you can admit that you're a horrible, wretched sinner. Yeah. Uh, that that some of the desires of your heart are twisted and broken, and you're not even going to hide that from God anymore. Like that's the beginning of sainthood yeah. in my book. I had a friend like, tell authenticity me authenticity is yeah. huge. I had a friend tell me the other day. He said, uh, "I I want to say that honesty is one of my chief values, but I don't really need to. Like it's, <laughs> it, if I choose any one of these others uh, that I'm working through, and he's still working through his list, but he." Was he was saying, if I if I pick one, then it's going to be honesty's got to be assumed. Honesty has to be yeah. assumed. Like well, it, that's probably true. And yeah, and but that so, would make it a value then. <laughs> it, it really is, but it's like uh, secondary or tertiary, right? It's not. Um, it doesn't have to be the leading value, but for some people, it will be, right? 
uh, some people yeah. honesty will be the be the value uh, and and probably in a way that they're drawing out the honesty of a situation they're drawing out you know they probably have some missional function in that uh, value but what I find is that um, whenever whenever I lean into creativity then I just hear new approach I'm gonna I may be attacking the same subject I may be attacking the same problem I may be dealing with the same something that's happened before which you're always going to do because there's nothing new under the sun but I'm going to approach it from a different perspective. I'm going to, I'm going to open myself up to collaboration. I'm also going to, you know, to be creative, you have to make yourself vulnerable, right? I'm going to, I'm yeah. going to do this thing and then I'm going to share it. And the sharing is the difficult part, right? Like I, I have lots of pieces of artwork that I've produced. Um, I have lots that no one's ever seen, right? <laughs> I have trash cans full of wadded up things I wrote that I'm never going to let anybody read. Right. Yeah. But my problem is I do mine on computer and then I just delete them. So they don't even exist anymore. Exist. So I'm like, that's trash. <laughs> Nobody wants to read that stuff. My wife tells me I'm a good writer and I'm like, well, obviously you're not reading what I'm reading. Like this is <laughs> that's right. That's garbage. Right. This is garbage. It's such an interesting, so, uh, self critique is so, so difficult. Uh, you know. Oh, it is. Yeah. And, um, you know, in writing, I think that the standard saying is every first draft is poop. The book I read didn't use the word poop, but <laughs> so you got to get past that. Yeah. And uh, you got to decide that you're going to be a writer if you're going to write. I haven't decided that yet for myself yet. <laughs> I, I'm still at the point where I look yeah. at it and I'm like, forget that. Yeah. Um, I guess I write every Sunday, but. It doesn't really feel like writing when I write sermons out. I'm, I'm mostly, I, I do most of that orally and then write down what I want to say a certain way, you know. So Well, and it, yeah, it turns I, out that when you stand in front of a crowd of people that it gets better or it gets worse from what you wrote. Yeah, it, um, it gains its own life. It, it, something happens and you're feeding off the crowd. You're, you're responding to it. Um, you know. That's why COVID's been hard, man. It's hard to preach when nobody's there. Oh, it really looking at a camera. Like when I don't we know were online, you don't get any any <laughs> feedback or whatever. Um, yeah, you know Jerry Seinfeld said that that preaching and stand up are they're the same gig. It's the same gig. Yeah, uh, and I feel a lot the same way. So sometimes I'll actually watch uh, stand up com- stand up comedy so that I can so I can figure out how I can say this very difficult thing in a poignant way. Uh, Don't tell me that. But not lose. Because it, I'm going to start trying to be funny if you do No, that. no, no. If you tell yeah. me preaching and stand-up comedy. Well, but sometimes the truth is, is that kidding. sometimes stand-up comedians are, are better preachers. Um, yeah. Because yeah. they work the material, right? They, they, they do this work of, I'm going to say this hard thing. I don't want to lose the audience's attention. I certainly don't want them to start throwing things at me from the table. Um, yeah. you know, and, and, and preaching, you, you end up doing a lot of that same work too, because you're like, I need to say this hard thing. It needs to be heard, but it needs to stick with us. And then I have, I need it to, there's some responsibility here to give some practical relief yeah. to, to what I'm saying. So how does that play out? Like if you're pre- like this last week, we preached on the Trinity or I preached on the Trinity and um, Trinity. I listened to your sermon on the Trinity. You know, how do you get to practice? There was only one heretical statement in there. <laughs> just out of curiosity. Now with, you have to tell me I, what it was. Do you know what it was? I'm just messing with you. I There was something you said that when you first said it, I was like, is that really how it worked? Yeah, Michael, I'm not sure. It was something about the Spirit. But um, I'm kidding because when you preach about the Trinity, like, there's always a, a, a tiptoeing act because you don't want to be heretical, right? <laughs> you don't like, want to be perceived as heretical. The truth yeah, of the matter well, is, is well, that... you know what I'm saying. Yeah, none yeah. of us know. I, I did like that you said none of us know. We're all wrong. We're all wrong. Like, that's the, that's the bottom line. If we approach every argument like that, guess what? I'm, I'm partly wrong here. Well, right. So if we do that... Then, I may have some truth, but I'm at least partly wrong. Right. It embraces what you're saying about gratitude, right? Because gratitude always has to tap into humility. You can't be grateful yeah. if you don't have humility, right? Right. It's a false gratitude. And you've, ha- you've been thanked by somebody who was thanking you, but they were arrogant. And you, the thanks yeah. didn't mean anything because they were 
they were only it was only a show it was only a keeping up of appearances as it were you you ever had somebody thank you especially when you're a youth pastor maybe we shouldn't say this out loud but you knew their thanks was like slamming the other preacher that you filled <laughs> in for yes like that's not thanks that's not thanks no that's not gratitude because it's not from a place of humility that's a place of arrogance so it doesn't count as real yeah. gratitude and so humility is this foundation layer, which is so powerful because in Philippians, you know, it says Christ, who was in very image God, did not, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but humbled himself. And so the picture yeah. of Christ, the picture that we have of God is this Trinitarian doctrine of three persons in one who are all humbling themselves to each other. It's, it's right. always yeah. about submission, right? And when we enter in, we don't get to enter in as the boss, we get to it really that's it. the only way love works. It's so if we really say way. God is love, that's it. If we say God is love, it has to be that way. It has to. Yeah. Like if I say I love my wife, but I'm just like, you do what I want, you when I want, where I want. No, I lay down my life and eventually you don't care if you get anything back no. if you really love somebody. Yeah. I mean that when you start out, there's a lot of puppy love, there's a lot of attraction. Right. But the more you fall in love with someone, eventually you don't care even you want them to reciprocate it, sure. but that's not why you love them. Well, Frederick Beekner said said that in like these this wonderful wedding ceremony that he wrote. Um, he said, "Oh, he lists all the things you know for better, for worse, for richer, for for sickness and in health, you know." And he lists all the things that could go wrong. And he said, uh, "He said this is what you do. You say I will take all of." the bad things that you might face all of the brokenness all of the struggle all of the pain i'll take all of that um and he said and what you get in return is each other and that's right that's yeah. so i get chill bumps just thinking about that like i want to say that to maggie and tyler what you get yeah you know what you get in return for your willingness to take all of this garbage that i may bring with me all of my baggage all of my pain all of my sorrow what you get is me Right, like <laughs> yeah, and and then when we think that marriage is kind of this picture of how God wants to relate to us, and then you think you get God, like yeah. you get like this week I was talking about union with God, like that God would want to be united with Nate, like this guy who half the time doesn't know what the heck he's doing and gets confused and doesn't know how to pray like he should, or you know, like. Like, this is one of the big moments of sabbatical. I, I received communion and I started bawling because, first of all, I wasn't up there distributing. Mm -hmm. I wasn't up working. And then I was like, God wants to be united to me. Mm. Like, I just, I was in California outdoors, Catholic church, not even Nazarene church. And I just, <laughs> just kidding. That was a joke <laughs> for those of you who don't get my humor, sorry, um, <laughs> broke the bread, put it in my mouth, and just wept. That, And then the priest was talking about our common union with God. And once again, it gets back to all the things we struggle with in this world in relating to one another. Right. If we really understood that God wants to be united to each of us in that way, and it puts us on this common ground. Um, yeah. And it, it's so hard in our world because we... We've, we've fallen into the, I want to measure everyone up and, you know. Yeah. But we call like, that Eucharist. Like said. We call that Eucharist. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. No, yeah. I think that's Giving a that's thanks. a good full circle moment right there where you're just, yeah. Uh, maybe that yeah. is your chief value. I don't know. I'd like to see uh, as you work through them. Uh, maybe you should send them to me again and I'll actually work through them before okay. our, next, right. our next time. <laughs> but I, we got a couple minutes left. I, I would want to say that, you know, I think... I think if I were to wrap up what sabbatical is, and for those of you who don't know, I, I was off for 13 weeks. Um, and some people are like, whoa, that's a long vacation. Yeah, but your church, that, the, the, the body of believers, the interns, your staff, man, they just rallied. And, and man, it was like good days for yeah. Midwest City Community Church. I was, I was watching from a distance, and of course, you know, I have a daughter who's one of your interns. I was about to say, she was one of the superstars of morning meditation, <laughs> apparently, so. Well, I watched They're her. all like, I she mean, had 800 views, Nate. Yeah. You never get 800 views. Uh, yeah. I was like, well, I am not near as spunky as Maggie <laughs> or pretty as Maggie and energetic as Maggie no. in the morning, no. apparently. What is your Enneagram number? 
nine. Nine, and she's a seven. Maggie's the same as Paula. She's a seven, and, and so seven yeah, should do. So, yeah, should do live TV, whereas nines probably yeah. should do write books. Nine, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I had this comment on one of one of my Apple reviews was. I like what Pastor Nate says, but sometimes sounds like you still sleep in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> the opposite of Maggie. There you go. So there you go. No, but but I do think like this is what I wanted to get at, and and you kind of touched on it. Is it's good for your ego to realize that you know you you're not really crucial in all this stuff. <laughs> it's not your church. Yeah. Like. Like I've been called to it, and I'm thankful that I have the opportunity. But, but the other side of it is, um, like, I loved being able to just sit with some scripture and not feel like, oh, I got to go share this with somebody. I got to get it ready. I got to polish it up and and make it sound good and right. and uh, you know think through those things you were talking about. I can just sit with this for a while. Sure. And, and let it, uh, let and it read you. Let it. Su- yeah, let, yeah, let Scripture read you, which is what good preachers do all the time. But sometimes in the hustle and bustle, that week, just the next one comes along, yeah. and you don't have as much time to let it read sometimes you as you would like sometimes to. Sometimes it's Saturday night, and you're going, oh, gosh, I don't know. Oh, God. Oh, Lord. Give me a word. <laughs> <laughs> and every pastor will say they've done that. Some will deny that they do that. Oh, I was man. in a class one time, yeah. and this guy was like, I got my sermons for a year out, and I'm like, you don't think anything is going to change in a year? Like, <laughs> please don't preach that. Like you, you might want to contextualize <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, no lie. You, you yeah, know? yeah. Please, please. Talking about the election. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, we don't have an election this year. <laughs> yeah, you you might want to. You know, I can understand. Yeah. When you, when you write those uh, year long outlines, that makes that makes a lot of sense. A lot of planning. But if you're not, I you know how many times I've walked away from the pulpit thinking. Uh, that I that I knew that I had heard a word from the Holy Spirit, and yeah. I probably should have shifted what I was talking about and just spoken from the heart instead of speaking from the script. And that's, those are the ones I'm most nervous about. I get nervous about them, and so I've actually usually when out, I do that, it's because I got to say something tough. Yeah, well, <laughs> and I've walked out having preached the script instead of preached the heart, and yeah, and yeah. you just never feel so low. You never feel yeah. so low as as having to go to the prayer closet and say, "Spirit, I I know you were speaking to me. I was struggling with it while it was happening, but had I been more in tune, I would have said something different and more helpful um, to the yeah. to the church." So, yeah. yeah. Well, and I I think one thing that I've learned on being back already is just how much those messages actually, if you're I know a lot of really good conscientious preachers who are trying to do their best. Um, if you are, they weigh on you throughout the whole week. They do. And people don't get that. No. I woke up this morning thinking of some phrasing for <laughs> something I'm going to say this week. I did too. I, I, just before like I woke we got up on. at 6 yeah. o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. Just and, before and we so got I, on, I, I had a, people uh, just a meeting with a guy it. just yeah. so I could talk about the scripture one more time. Like I called yeah. JJ yeah. so we could just talk about it. Right. Again, because I didn't get to talk about it to the extent that I wanted to yesterday. So right. I called him yeah. and said, hey, let's just talk about this. Let's talk about how this passage in Hebrews uh, shines a light on this passage, uh, you, you know, from Timothy, uh, Second Timothy, and, um, and yeah. how, that, how that reflects into what we're talking about and um, why, why the body of Paul's work is more important to us than one letter, Right. Because he yeah, was doing a slow, yeah. he was doing, he was pastoring churches, and that doesn't right. happen in one sermon one week, right? It in happens, a vacuum. Yeah, it yeah. happens across time, and he, you know, one week you make a mistake. Uh, you know, you, you've preached retractions, haven't you? I've had to, I've had oh, to yeah. preach more than one yeah. retraction for sure. Where I said, you know, I used to say this, but I don't think like one time in the middle of a prayer. Uh, yeah. Uh, in front of everybody. You retracted? The pastor, yeah. it was like I was, the pastor called me forward and he said, hey, Michael, would you, and I was a staff member and he said, would you just lead us in prayer? And I, I was praying and I said, Lord, just empower us. And the Holy Spirit said, you don't mean that. Don't say that. And I said, I'm standing in front of everybody. I can't, well, you want me to retract right. that right now? And in the prayer, I had to retract the prayer. And... <laughs> Only you would retract a prayer. <laughs> said, like most people would be like, oh, sorry, God. I'll get it next time. 
I literally, only Michael would be so sensitive, and I love that about you, by the way. I literally I'm not, I'm had to say, you. I'm sorry I didn't mean that. That's not what I meant to yeah, pray. That's not what I meant. I meant to say, Lord, make us aware of how weak we are, so we'll lean heavy on you. So we'll collapse uh, yeah, completely good, on yeah. you, Christ. And, you know, just those moments where if you don't humble yourself to receive it from the Lord, uh, you will be humbled. It will happen. There, yeah. And and humiliation yeah. <laughs> is much worse than humility, right? You know, yeah. I don't want that. So I, I, I commend you, sir. You have been a... Um, you have an example to us all to take a sabbatical. Uh, you've been an example to your church. You've been an example to other pastors, uh, people that you've served and people that you've discipled, people who've discipled you. Uh, you you've been an example to us by taking this 13 weeks um, and saying, you know what? Uh, if I don't get alone with God, then nothing I do is going to matter. Um, and that was that's just a powerful thing. For you to do and well, i appreciate thank, it. i appreciate that i i actually got a call from another pastor this week saying hey let's talk i'm talking to my board let's talk about what you learned and uh i did the same with other pastors before i left but i i definitely do think um that that's really nice of you i i think i i'm continuing to find balance between there are some things i need to take on you know <laughs> some of those fights i need to take on there's some things that i I definitely feel like I don't want to be a person with my head in the sand, but I also don't want to be a person who overestimates my own importance. And like you said, leaving helps you realize, man, these, these young ministers, they're, they're, they're knocking it out of the park. They're, they're amazing. And uh, I'm not the only person who can do what God is wanting to do here. And in fact, their creativity may inspire me, and it already has. And so... You know, I'm doing morning meditations a little different because of the way they did it while I was gone. And and it's it's given me a little more freedom, too. And it's been more consistently at the same time, which people got used to. And, and so, you know, I'm learning from them, and they're learning from me. Your, your daughter actually said to me on Sunday, she said, that critique you gave us about our sermons, I actually saw that you did what you were talking about on Sunday. Like, I get it now. I, I saw you actually do that. And now I got to rethink some things, and so, yeah, I think yeah. God uses all of us, and and when we we demand to be the person up front, you know, and we don't give away the ministry, then what ends up happening is it gets stale. It does. <laughs> Creativity flourishes in community too. It That's does. another thing I'm sure you, you know, which you said with your murals. So, I, I'm going to give you. It's 46 minutes, but I, I do want to give it up to you for your Good Friday thing. I really wish I could have gone down. I hope it went well, but just doing the Stations of the Cross through artwork, that is so Michael. And it's also, it's so just something different and unique for your community. So I hope it went well for you. Well, I think it did. I would like for I would always like for more people to see it. Um, but Scott Erickson, I'm that way too. Scott Erickson, yeah. that artist, he just uh, he. You know, they they did similar things to the way we did it, but it gave it was so good too. Be in part because it thus that was a big project, and I had to collaborate. I had to give away. Yeah. I had to give away aspects of it, and there was a script as you drove through it. Um, there was a script that was written and produced by two of my uh, um, residents. Uh, they're I don't want to call them staff. They're actually uh, moving on. They're actually about to move to Tennessee. So I've had them for my 18 I months. I saw that. I've had them for my 18 months, and now they're they're moving on. And, uh, man, I lament it, especially since one of my parishioners had this great idea that, man, I would like to hand to them and let them run it. Uh, but but I'm losing them. So now I'm praying that prayer, um, that that Matthew 938 prayer, Lord, send workers for the harvest, because we have this great yeah. idea. that uh, and but But truthfully— creativity has really helped me owning that in myself and and allowing that to happen so that I'm not trying to accomplish the status quo has allowed me to do more collaboration to be free to do those sort of things not to feel like oh that's too artsy fartsy right putting that critique right out and saying that's not God's word God called me creative and it actually points my my chief value points at my gifting right if and it I also realize, points at the image of God who created 
everything. Yes. And so, <laughs> so then basically as I'm reading through the very good gospel, I'm seeing that uh, the antidote to everything is the doctrine of the image of God. Yeah. The antidote yeah. to everything, which you just said about the church will go on and the church will proceed and with or without us because we believe that every parishioner, every child, every even even the sinners, <laughs> you know, yeah. even yeah. me, when, uh, even in my sin, I'm still created in the image of God. Like sin right. has not conquered. It's not completely destroyed that. No, it, it has may have marred yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, I, I just can't buy into total depravity. We're not totally depraved. There's good that comes no. out of us, and it comes out of us because we were created in the image of God. And he called yeah. us good, you know. And so this this idea that the that we were created in the image of God allows us to say to a parishioner, what is God doing in you? And then yeah. when they say it, say, that's hugely creative, and that's an opportunity for us as a church to resource that. What if... What if the church saw itself as a resource center for people who had vision and calling? And so when they yeah. approach us with vision That's and calling, this is, what God, this is what God gave me, this is what God said to me, then we say, well, how do we enact that in the world? Right? And, and right. Instead, of, instead yeah. of worrying about all the places where it's not being enacted in the world, we loved our yeah. neighbor as ourself, and we focused right where we were standing. And then when somebody else, somewhere else, needed the 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 template or the resources then we could serve as a template or a resource and in that way we could pay into a worldwide phenomenon but right but we have to be wholeheartedly attached to where we're standing in order to develop that well enough that it could be handed off to someone else right i see where you added your other value in their wholeheartedness yeah that was nice yeah, yeah. hey man i've enjoyed this a whole bunch I have and to. we need to do it some more we decided we didn't know if we still had an audience left, but we'd throw it out there. And <laughs> we had a couple people mention some things and thought, you know, maybe there are some people who still like to hear these old guys talk every once in a while. So, hey, I love you. I'm love you too. We'll get to spend some time together this spring and summer. We will actually there's see these, you on Friday. I'm bringing Jonah up these for two storm surge. Kids that are getting married. Yeah, that one doesn't have anything to do with it, but I will yeah. get to see you Friday. Yeah, and I will have a place for you to sleep. So I appreciate that. Take care, man. I will see you next week or I'll see you Friday and we'll talk again next week. How about that? Absolutely. Sounds great. Take care. See ya. Bye. Bye. Hey, thanks again for listening to pontificating pastors. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or anchor or any one of the other platforms. We hope you have a great week.